You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Hot Topics in Allergy, presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Your host is Dr. Todd A. Marr, Director of Pediatric Allergy Immunology at Gunderson Lutheran Medical Center in La Crosse, Wisconsin. What do physicians need to know about communicating with families who have a member diagnosed with food allergies? Joining us to discuss childhood food allergies, the patient's perspective, is Ms. Anne Munoz Furlong, founder and CEO of the Food Allergy and Anaphylaxis Network, a nonprofit organization. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. The question I have is, does the diagnosis of food allergy impact a family emotionally? I would think so, but do we know that? We absolutely know that it does. There was actually a study looking at the quality of life and the impact of food allergy on a family versus other childhood diseases, juvenile diabetes, for example. And we found that families who have children with food allergies actually have less quality of life. They cannot do things as spontaneously. They worry more about their children, and their perception of their child's general health is less than people with children who have other diseases, and certainly less than people who have children without allergic disease. Well, does the diagnosis then impact their day-to-day activities to a great deal? When you have a child with a food allergy, every decision has to be based on food. You're never relaxed, and that's the stress that worries you. So what to feed them for breakfast, what happens if they're going to visit a friend, if you're delayed when you're shopping, where to go on vacation, having friends and family over, will they try to slip the child something they're allergic to? These are some of the concerns and the impact that food allergy has on a day-to-day basis. How about the age of the child or even the food allergen itself? Does that make a difference, do you think? As the children age, they start to take on more responsibility and become a partner with the parents. But a young child, the onus is on the parent to manage everything about that child. If you have a child who's diagnosed with multiple food allergies, milk and egg or milk, egg and peanuts, for example, now you're talking about a diet that has to be watched for nutritional value because they may be missing too many vitamins and minerals, but you've also got a family wondering, what do I do for the second child who's not going to be avoiding all these foods? What about in a family who has a child that has had a reaction? Is there any difference from one who's, you know, the diagnosis has been made, but they haven't seen a reaction? When you have a family who's actually gone through a reaction, they understand what you're talking about. When the doctor says, you have to be careful and avoid a reaction, they've seen it, they know what it is. When you have a family who is going on diagnosis by lab tests, and has not seen a full-blown anaphylactic reaction, it almost becomes worse for them because they're dealing with the unknown. And the longer time goes on, the more fearful they become because they realize this could really be bad. So the key is to educate them when you make the diagnosis so they understand what to look for, but most importantly, what to do. I think one of the questions I deal with day-to-day as an allergist is, what about schools? What kind of changes do families need to make? Should they trust schools? Well, the good news with schools is that schools are getting more on board with food allergies simply because there are more children arriving every year who have food allergies. The first step is to see the school as partners. Make sure that you have a conversation with the school staff before school starts when things are a little calmer, and explain to the nurse 
the cafeteria staff and the teacher what needs to be done and make sure that as a parent you let the school staff know that you're going to be in partnership with them. Where the doctor comes in is to provide written information about that child's allergy and what needs to be done if a reaction occurs so that the school is not relying on a parent, but they're looking at medical information from the child's physician. Do you truly think a school can be peanut-free? A lot of schools say that they are peanut-free, and when we ask the question, what does that mean to you, we find that they really minimize peanut, but it's not peanut-free in the true sense of the word. Our advice to schools is that they focus on education and they remember that it's not just peanuts. We've had children die from milk, from tree nuts, from fish. So when a school looks at food allergy, they really should be looking at all of the foods and making sure all of the children are safe. And that goes back to education of the staff and the students. Are there resources for the physician for this education out there? SAN has lots of free materials on our website that physicians can use going to our website, foodallergy.org, and downloading forms to give to the school, training materials. You can even download posters. And most importantly, SAN is always here to answer questions and develop materials as needed. So we're here to be a resource to help the physician help their patients. I think one of the things you mentioned for schools is worth repeating, and that's having some type of an action plan filled out. And I think that form's also available on your website, correct? Yes, it is. On the download section of our website, the food allergy action plan is translated into six or seven different languages. And it has step-by-step information. It is to be signed by the physician and the child's parents. It has a place for the child's picture Most importantly, on the back, it has illustrations on how to use the EpiPen or the Twinject, auto-injector, so that whatever the physician prescribes, the school quickly can figure out how to use. Do families need to make changes in their food allergy management then as the child ages? So you've made that diagnosis as a toddler, and now the child is in elementary school. I think we need to see food allergy as a process, not a project. Every time the child does something different when they go from preschool to elementary school, elementary to middle school, and so forth. That's a time when you need to revisit your plan. What works for kindergarten does not work in third grade and certainly not by fifth grade. So the key is to involve the child and change the plan so that you're including the child. A kindergartner is okay with letting everybody know about his food allergy. By fifth grade, children want to be more like their friends. They don't want to stand out. So the plan has to be almost in the background, watching the child without making food allergy such a central part of who this child is. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Hot Topics in Allergy on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Marr, and joining me to discuss childhood food allergies, the patient's perspective, is Ms. Ann Munoz-Furlong, founder and CEO of the Food Allergy and Anaphylaxis Network, a nonprofit organization. So, Anne, what are some of the age-specific challenges that parents can face with their food-allergic children? The biggest challenge that parents face as their children age is this 
push-pull. The children want independence. The parents want to hold on even tighter the more the children want their independence. And the best way to navigate that is to prepare your child early to take on food allergy responsibility. It's okay to say to a five-year-old, you must ask us before we leave our home, do we know where we're going to eat? Have we read ingredient statements? So that by the time that five-year-old is 15, that 15-year-old knows to always keep those food allergy rules in mind before he or she goes out with friends. That will relieve some of the stress that families feel in allowing their children to be more independent. You've held a number of forums uh, across the country, I know, for food allergies for parents. And what are some of the common questions you hear from parents regarding their child's food allergies? I would say the most common question that we hear from parents is, how do I know when it is anaphylaxis and I should use epinephrine? When do I know that it's time to use epinephrine? And over and over again, our advice to those parents is, talk to your doctor. Ask your doctor, based on your child's history, what symptoms to look for, and then write them down so you don't have to plan to know it by heart, because in a stressful situation, you don't know what you're going to remember. The second question that parents very often ask us is, what do the numbers mean? My doctor gave me some lab results, and I'm not sure how to interpret it. So there is confusion about how allergic is my child, and if there's a reaction, how will I know that that's a serious enough reaction for epinephrine? So speaking of self-injectable epinephrine, do parents generally retain the information that they hear when they're shown how to use it, or should providers really be cognizant of the fact that they maybe need to review how to use self-injectable epinephrine, you know, at least annually when they see these children back? You've hit a very good point. When my own daughter was diagnosed, I was stunned, and I thought I had observed everything. But when I got home and really started to try and live day-to-day with taking milk and eggs out of her diet, I realized I had missed a whole lot of what our doctor told us because my brain was reeling. That's very common. What we would ask is if it is a food allergy diagnosis, it's not a bad idea to bring the family back in a month later and check in. How are they doing? They may be stuck in that emotional stage of shock or others that go into anger. Why is this happening to me? Or maybe they're just very sad that this happened to their child and they sometimes feel guilty that they caused it. I think a health professional may want to tune in a month later, make sure the family's okay, stress again the importance of carrying that epinephrine. As the child gets older, the conversation really needs to move between parent and physician to physician and child because that starts to empower the child that ultimately they're responsible for taking care of their allergies. So that's another way that we can help keep these families and these children safe. I think we hear about food allergies, and a lot of physicians see the patients who've had hives or have had a little bit of a reaction, but people can die from food allergies, and do you think the public is aware of that as much as they should be? Unfortunately, I think that most people don't know how serious food allergy can be. I have done research on fatalities. I've talked to 63 families whose kids have died or whose spouse has died, and almost every single one of them has said the same thing. I had no idea it could be this bad. So we need to make sure we don't scare people to the point where they don't want to leave their home, but they need a healthy respect that when a reaction begins, there's no way to predict 
how bad it will be. So have your plan in place and use it if you need it. I think that's important, making sure they have that plan, they've worked through what they're going to do, they have the self-injectable available is important. I think when we look at how much these are reported, one of the problems is I know from my experience, I've had patients who many have had near misses. Because they have the plan, because they've been educated, they know to use the self-injectable epinephrine, they end up going into the emergency room and they have a reaction due to an error, aborted basically, but that doesn't get reported like it should be. So I think there's definitely under-reporting that occurs. And I think that's one of the issues we all deal with is people tend to think, you know, it's peanut allergy, everybody has that, it's no big deal. You're absolutely right. And when we hear statistics that we don't know how many people die, it's not that many people. First, we have to understand one person dying from a preventable death is too many. But the root problem is we need better data collection. And we hope that with increased funding from the federal government, the CDC can make food allergy a priority and maybe we will get better data. But I know I've seen some of these fatal reactions, talked to the families, looked at the death certificate. I know the history is solid, yet the death certificate may say cardiac arrest or asthma without mentioning the underlying cause as being peanut anaphylaxis. So there is no doubt we are underreporting some of these tragedies. So what can physicians do to help a family with a child who has food allergies? The first thing is remember that everything you say they're going to take to heart. If you lead with your child has a peanut allergy and he could die, that changes parenting rather than if you say your child has peanut allergy, this is manageable, get information and get educated. So send them on a path of empowerment rather than fear. Make sure you talk to the family and give them written instructions because when they go home and this all settles in, they'll realize how much they missed and they'll be glad to have something written. And finally, make sure you stress the importance of always being prepared and celebrating every year when you haven't had a reaction rather than saying, as some parents do, I didn't need to renew this prescription. Maybe I'll stop renewing my epinephrine prescription. So we need to keep them engaged in being proactive in managing this allergy. I think that's excellent advice. I'd like to thank my guest, founder of the Food Allergy and Anaphylaxis Network, Ms. Ann Munoz Furlong. Ms. Furlong, thank you for being our guest this week on Hot Topics in Allergy. Thank you so much for having me here. You've been listening to Hot Topics in Allergy on ReachMD XM160. This show has been presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. For more information on the ACAAI, please visit ACAAI.org. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening.